Welcome to episode 40 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I'm Scott Sturman, and I'm joined by Matt Deitch. Four, zero. Forty. I don't know. Is that like, was I supposed to bring you like silver or crystal or what was, what's our, what's the 40th anniversary thing? I don't know. You could have just brought me cookies. Yeah, I know. They wouldn't have made it over here though if I would have done that. <laughs> and Emily would have had to made them make them for me because I don't know if I can make cookies. Well, she's a good cook, so I'll take cookies. Dang right. So, no, we got a really cool episode for you today, guys. Oh, uh, it's a John good one. Hoyer, uh, Mr. Walleye right now. I'm pumped. I mean, 2019 has been his year. Uh, he he had a little bit of a stumble the first tournament of the year, but uh, he followed it up with a first, a second, and a first. Um, yeah, he's, he's the hottest thing in walleye fishing right now, and uh, yeah, we're going to cut right over to him. All right, today we are joined by John Hoyer, uh, National Walleye Tour Pro, and uh, basically the hottest thing in walleye fishing right now. John, you there? I am here. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, definitely. Uh, yeah, probably. It seems like you're a pretty busy guy right now. Probably getting a lot of interviews after this past weekend. Uh, yeah, next level all of a sudden. Actually, <laughs> what what has this last week been like? Is it just a complete blur? I mean. Yeah, it, it really has, and um, I actually just finished up like a two-hour podcast, but I touched on that, how um, I almost wish that this championship thing could have happened on its own, you know, without the whole 2019 season before it, because, I, I mean, I was in, I was so dazed, I, I, I don't know if I really got to enjoy it as much as I wish I could have. Right, because I mean it was probably a long season. A lot of you guys fished three tournaments before the championship here, and leading up to it, I mean it does get to be probably a long year. Yeah, I guess it wasn't so much that; it was just like the success in the other two tournaments. Where right, I was, I was like complacent for this weird, weird part of it. So you, you don't you don't normally see somebody have success at at that uh, level tournament after tournament after tournament you know if they crack one maybe two you know that's a big deal but you did it three straight tournaments and yeah right and that's where the unbelievable sense in my brain comes in so <laughs> yeah. um let's let's just start off by looking over your whole entire year uh you started off on lake winnebago uh with a 94th place tournament did you just spin your wheels that tournament? I mean, did were the conditions tough? You know, what take us through that tournament? Yeah, really. Um, you know, our team as a whole did really well there the year before, and it was you know pretty much similar conditions: high, cold water. Um, you know, late spring, and you know, I think maybe the thing that hurt us is we went in there with a little bit of preconceived notions, um, which is a, a really big no-no in walleye tournaments i've learned and um but the reality of it is i couldn't help but kind of concentrate on how Corey springle had won the year before which is just learning those rivers so well in the current areas for those bigger bites so uh, we all spent a lot of time trying to kind of hone our skill in those current areas and as a team um bill dustin dewey and myself you know, we spent a limited amount of time slip bobbering. So when it was all said and done, it was really kind of a tough pill to swallow because of the fact that um, it was one doing something that all of us have done so much in our careers, you know, especially like on the lax, just slip bobbering shallow rocks in the spring. So it was really kind of a, 
we just felt dumb that we didn't <laughs> get on to, you know, what made the most sense to win a tournament with those conditions. Right. Um, then you turned around and went to Green Bay uh, and you cracked your first win ever as a pro, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, that was uh, obviously a huge turnaround for me after the first tournament. Right. I mean, did, were you just dialed in? Did you just have an amazing practice? You knew you were on them right off the bat. What What happened? Um, really, the key thing for that tournament, um, and that episode is actually up on the Cabela's National Wildlife Tour YouTube channel, um, and they were in my boat on day two. So one of the key things was, again, it was still you know probably a month behind as far as water temps, and I ended up finding fish in the mouth of a river that you know, we're there because of the warm water. So they were actually there to feed. Um, and they're kind of held up in that river mouth because the rest of that lake water was still so cold. So, uh, it was a number of things going on. It was warmer water. There was food there. And, um, you know, it was, it was really that temperature of water that was drying them in there. So, um, when it was all said and done, I ended up having eight of my wayfish out of the mouth of that river. And it was something that got completely overlooked by the rest of the field because that historically is like a pre-spawn and then a post-spawn pattern. So really what made me successful is just kind of going there with really no history that time of year on the bay and being able to just kind of fish with an open mind and, you know, get attracted to those warmer water areas. And that one was like the most stable of all the bays and everything that that was the most stable uh water temp we also had a lot of rain so that current was increased too um you know as opposed to like a normal year right on now take us through that you know that being up on stage when they announced that you're the winner you know you've been working so hard to get that first professional win and it finally happens uh, what's that moment like uh it was unbelievable um you know, going out day one, being boat one, and then having, you know, we only caught five fish that day. And we knew that, like, going into it, if we would just have five or six bites, you know, eight bites, the potential for 40 pounds was there. But it was there for a lot of the tournament field. So, you know, after day one, being in that position, it was really kind of a, uh you know i was excited and that was actually probably the worst i ever slept in my life <laughs> it was after day one because um you know there was a lot of decisions to be made and um you know a lot of that to be successful was the time frame of that to see you know if if it didn't go well in the river mouth you know how fast was I going to run these other spots? Where could I get a couple other bites? What if I don't get any bites there? Could I stay there the whole day? So um, going all the way back to when it was, you know, I weighed in early um, and I had almost I had 39 pounds, so I had 80 pounds total. Um, at that point, it was really kind of cool. I was able to, like, detach from it and really enjoy the moment, Right. Yeah. Uh, being excited for the final weigh-in, and then, the way it went down on stage when Joe Okada came up, you know, it said right on there he needs, um, I forget what it said, 43, 41 pounds or something to take the lead. And I watched him walk up with his bag, and it was like two feet tall, and I was like, wow, that's a good bag. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, uh, so, you know, I was all of a sudden just like, 
reality check where none of these other guys were close yet. And then here we go. We got Joe Okada and Corey Sprangle left away in, and I have no idea what they have. And Chip goes to him, he goes, how many fish do you have, Joe? And he goes, we only got four, Chip. And I was like, okay, that should mean I have more than him. And then I looked at his bag, and it was like, oh, my gosh, you might have it with four fish. <laughs> and uh, he ended up weighing like 37 pounds for four, which was a crazy wow. average. Yeah. Unreal. Um, and so that was like the first hurdle. And still no idea what Corey Sprangle had. I know him really well. I was looking over at him. I'm like, is that the look of I have like 48 pounds? Or is <laughs> A little <laughs> poker face action comes in. Yeah, like, did I have a bad day or do I have 48 pounds? I feel bad for you. You know, I couldn't figure <laughs> out what he was looking at. But when I saw him bring his bag over the side of the bump tank, uh, then I knew I had it. And um, it was a really an emotional thing for me, though. Um, the the words that Corey said on stage, like, they give me amazing goosebumps just reliving it right now. But they actually played that on that NWT video. And, you know, it actually brought tears to my eyes having Corey Sprangle, the best walleye tournament fisherman of all time, um, say what he did about me and how he looked up to me as an angler when we first met and how he knew that my time was coming and, you know, in due time and how happy he was for me. So that was an amazing moment for me in my fishing career. Obviously the pinnacle of it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah, All that hard work just kind of finally pays off because people that don't fish those tournaments probably don't realize how much work you guys put into those all year round. Yeah. And really, you know, more than just that, um, you know, like as far as using side scan and learning electronics and processing all that information, you know, that's not just a week of fishing. That's, um, you know, back in the day when I would fish, I mean, I had a couple of years, I fished like 300 days and, all those things like have taught me the smallest little clues and, you know, like what to look for and, and just go fishing, you know, like to have that sense, it's not just that week of sun up to sundown and five hours of sleep every night leading right. up to the tournament, you know, it really is gratifying knowing that to be able to beat that, that crew of guys in the national wildlife tour, like it, it takes way more work than just a week of pre-fish, you know? So yeah, a uh, super gratifying feeling to to really reach, you know, my number one goal in my life is to win one of those. When you prove something to yourself too, like I belong here, you know, I'm I'm, you know, there's no doubt in my mind you knew that you were good enough to be there, but when you can actually prove to yourself, you know, hey, I just got a trophy with a big number 1 on it, you know, that's that's the real deal. Yeah, for sure, and you know, it that's kind of the blessing part like because I don't know, maybe 50, 60% of the guys all have the same angling ability. Like if you put us in a swimming pool, you know, I think Corey has said this before, like he kind of believes like he's not going to maybe outfish everybody if we're in the same swimming pool. And I feel that same way. Like there's so many really good fishermen on there, but like the whole like decision-making process is like how, what ultimately wins those tournaments. So that was the really cool part for me where like, Hey, I stay calm. I stayed calm, collected. I made the right decisions. There's still some luck involved, but to even put yourself in that top first, second, or third, like those decisions are the most important part. That's how Corey has won so many tournaments. Right now, 
after after your very first first place finish, you followed it up with a second place uh, finish up on. Uh, is it pronounced Sioux St. Marie, Michigan? Yep. Sioux St. Yep. Marie. Yep. That is a goofy goofy deal. And I'm not from Michigan, so. <laughs> but yeah, did do you feel like going into that one? The weight was kind of lifted off your shoulders. You could just go out there and fish because you know you already had a first place trophy. I mean, you you followed it up with a second place. Yeah, I really did throughout practice. You know, I was on cloud nine and um, we started dissecting that water and having good results. And, you know, our whole team was really confident going into that. But um, with like three hours in practice left, I developed this pattern that I've never used in a tournament. I've never used in the weeds for walleyes. Um, I just started doing it this spring on Mille Lacs. And it just all of a sudden all clicked with like three hours of practice left. And um, it was throwing those heavier paddle tails right into the cabbage and ripping them and letting them free fall. Um, it's a technique that we use in musky tournaments um, where you throw like a bulldog with two treble hooks on it, you know, a half pound bait right into the weeds, let it hit the weeds and crack it out. And it's a reaction bite. And with like three hours left in practice, I caught a seven pounder doing it that the cast before had just barely nipped my straight retrieve paddle tail. And when I hooked that fish, I told my travel partner, Aaron, I'm like, I go, this is it. And I go, this is a big walleye. And this is it. This is it. And I was so excited. Like it all <laughs> made so much sense that I've like, I was excited going into green Bay, but, a lot of people, we were all throwing lipless crankbaits, and it was going to take some luck, you know. Granted, I had that spot, but this was like, there will be not a single person doing this in the tournament. Nobody's ever done this in a walleye tournament to that, like, aggressive level. And all I got to do is find every strand of cabbage I can in a five-mile area here, and I will be able to confidently fish doing this. So. After day one, we only caught six, but we had 24 and a half pounds. And going into day two, my confidence was like overwhelming. I mean, David Kolb had such a lead. I didn't know if I could win without him tanking, but um, we weighed 26 and a half pounds on day two. And if it wasn't for his like unbelievable class of fish he found and caught, congrats to him. Um, we had the rest of the field by like nine pounds. So Wow, yeah. <laughs> That one was unbelievably gratifying for me. Um, the the pattern part of it was like, and then being able to just go fish blind to all these spots where I just knew there was cabbage and like catching them on those spots sight unseen. It was so cool. I felt I felt amazing after that tournament. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. And then now you just turn around this last weekend and Devil's Lake winning that one. What what kind of pattern were you on up there? Um, that one started off as like everything. Um, there was a day where I literally caught a fish on every single lure category Berkeley makes, like flicker shad, jointed flicker shad, flicker minnow, snap jig, war pig, champ swimmer, dredger, digger. Um, and these are all like three to five pounders. Like um, practice actually went pretty well for us. And I have fished Devil's Lake for a really long time, like almost, I don't know, 18 years or so. And um, I just started kind of gravitating towards shallow casting, which wasn't necessarily a thing. It was more like 12 to 30 feet of water when we first got there. 
Um, and then as the tournament or as the prefish progressed, I really found myself spending a lot of time casting crankbaits in shallow. So um, something I love to do is just like the funnest way to catch a walleye. Oh, so for sure, yeah. Um, but lo and behold, that deep trolling bite was really kind of dying. And I look back and I didn't like come out and just say that it was dead. But, like, my results just kept pushing me in shallow and trying to find more productive areas to, to cast shallow. So, um, yeah, going to the tournament, you know, I had rods rigged up ready for Johnny darters and shiver minnows. And I had crankbait casting rods. I had rods with champ swimmers on them. I had rods with smaller power swimmers on them. Um, had all my lead core rods. I had fire line rods all in the boat. So it was going to be kind of a run-and-gun tried it five different things um day and what ended up happening is my my starting spot i started there and greg eli who ended up taking fifth he spot locks in front of me throws a bobber out it instantly goes down and he proceeds to just whack them on jig wraps and bobbers so when my plan was to work back and forth on this point like seven boats came right to that point and i quickly realized i needed to like nestle in to the sweet spot because there was going to be so much pressure here and, you know, it was really kind of Greg that um, kind of showed me the way as far as, like, his plan was to slip bobber and jig wrap right on this one spot. Now, that happened to be right where I started. Like, I knew that area, but I didn't plan on being spot locked for any extended period of time. So um, I ended up spot locking, and our bites started happening, you know, on the shiver minnows and johnny darters. Once we lost those, we ended up throwing jig wraps, but um, we had 22 pounds on day one. I did catch like a five and a half pounder casting a uh, a jerk bait up shallow, and I lost another big one doing that. So that was day one. Day two, I was like, "Well, you don't have to tell me." I obviously threw my slip bobber rods back in the boat, and uh, that ended up being a really windy day. And I had my coingler just running my two slip bobbers the whole time because there was so much, you know, current wind related current that you couldn't just let one sit there; it would just blow up to the surface. So uh, he probably had three of our wayfish on the slip bobbers. I had two of them on um, jig wraps. Again, the only thing I had left. And we probably caught, I don't know, 15 or 20 fish that day. So that was really fun. No, no go and ahead. Then, oh. <laughs> what was that? No, I, I was going to butt in there, but no, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, okay. So um, I was a little complacent after 11th place after day one. It was I had to have like a self-talk with myself because it was like, it was ho-hum for me after the last two tournaments. It's like, oh, not bad, 11th place. And it was like funny, I, during the blow day, I'm like, hey, John, hello. <laughs> you have the ability to make the top 10 in a national walleye tour championship, which is newsflash, been one of your dreams also. Like, you need to bear down here. And... Yeah. Uh, it was kind of funny. So that's the mentality I went out with day two. Um, and, you know, a lot of the fields really struggled. So all of a sudden, I'm basically tied. I'm in second place with my partner, Dustin, and uh, going into the final day. And, you know, as they start doing the interviews, they're like, you know, you don't really hear it as much until after. But a shootout for the ages, we have Hall of Fame anglers. You know, we have... Um, Tommy Kimos, Dustin Mankey's leading, John Hoyer's in second. He's a hot angler on the tour. Tommy Kimos is right behind him in third. You know, fourth place, Ken Anderson, only behind by one pound. And then 
Tom Keenan, Paul Moline, Greg Eli, local stick, you know, so all this thing and like any one of those top 10 could have won it. Like it was that close. So it was fun going out day three, no pressure. And I realized that I'm my goal is to come in with my biggest bag of the tournament and I am going to keep or throw back fish with that in mind. Like I had the confidence if I threw back enough of those smaller fish that I could have my biggest bag and um, lo and behold, the bites started happening again. And I decided to throw back the three, three and a half pounders. And every time I did, the next one would be like a four and a half to five pounder. And it just started <laughs> happening. And it was like the most magical morning. And uh, basically left that spot with seven of our eight fish we could keep with, you know, 24 pounds. And three hours later, I had a fish that was about a half pound upgrade. And I had a kind of fish for about three hours. And I decided to keep that one. You know, even with about 45 minutes left to really fish, thinking I could probably catch a bigger one. But I ended up keeping that one. It was a little conservative move, but it was like time for it. And that fish ended up being the tournament winner. Yeah, it's it's always comes down to those decisions like that. And, you know, do you keep it? Do you throw it back? I mean, you just never know if you're going to get that upgrade. Right, for sure. Now, you mentioned uh, your co-anglers. Um, you you, obviously, well, you said that he had caught three of your wayfish that day. Um, we had Brian Bashore on here a couple weeks ago, and Brian had kind of mentioned that he personally would wishes that he wouldn't have a co-angler. How do you feel about that? I love the team mentality of having a co-angler. I think it's the coolest thing. You know, I've, I've walked in those shoes before, and it is so exciting to go out with a pro that's in position or being in position for yourself. I absolutely love the format. Um, I, I Just knowing, like, how exciting it is as a co-angler. And for myself, I, I don't know if, I mean, I've you want to call it luck or whatever, but I think there's part of it, you know, being able to put your co-angler at ease, tell him to trust his angling ability, and you know, to tell them how much fun we're going to have and to let them know we're going to lose some fish, you know, before you even go out. And there's nothing that needs to be talked about if, you know, fish are lost, like it happens. And I don't know, I've just had so many enjoyable days with co-anglers. Um, and especially this year, you know, the moments we've gotten to share and the fish they've caught for me and um, the fish they've netted for me, you know, it's just, oh man, it is such a fun format. I, I really love it. All right, so you trust them running the net for you when you when you got the big one on then? For sure. All right. Nice. It, it, all, it all comes with that. You got to have that trust for each, with each other in the boat. Uh, yeah. So you, when you won there at Devil's Lake and you're up there and, and you finally feel, or you finally find out you won, I mean, did it feel better than the one on Green Bay? I mean, was the one on Green Bay more special because it was your first win, you know? Was it more amazing because, wow, that's two of them this year? Um, no, the Green Bay one was way more emotional. And, you know, throwing what Corey said on stage, um, that was an amazing moment for me. Um, you know, it bring tears to my eyes. I The championship one, like I said, like the, <laughs> the other two tournaments literally like overshadowed that moment. Um a little bit to the point where it was, I was just in disbelief. Like I, I could barely even process what just happened. 
and it was so cool like the cheering and uh they had people that came up and kids that took pictures with us and stuff afterwards and that was new to me you know like that was <laughs> i've had a little bit of that but like to have you know 20 30 40 people from devil's lake come up and get your picture with the trophy and everything you know the way the nwt set it up was really kind of cool and i mean i started getting you know it just couldn't stop smiling you know and it was such a cool environment um but like the whole initial part of it i my gosh, my heart, I don't even know how much my heart went up. It was, it's really hard to describe how it was like, it was so unbelievable that I, I almost couldn't, you know, get the full enjoyment out of it. And now you talk about Corey, him up there saying those things like those, those great things about you, how he's always looked up to you. Who are some of the guys that you look up to in your fishing career? Um, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough, you know, I have a lot of people that I can look up to, especially like my whole muskie friends. Like they're the best muskie anglers in the world, the best guides. Um, but it's kind of cool to be at the level. And that's where I feel fortunate is, is to be at that level where I can literally look up to people that have won multiple, multiple tournaments. You know, um, I look up to Keith and Gary, Cavias uh, and Parsons and Chase um a they're amazing tournament anglers they've had unbelievable success on the tournament trails for like over 20 20 25 years um but then their their choice to like be able to share that in like the most informative of all fishing shows their format of their next bite tv like i look up to them for that they have taught me a lot from watching that show um you know, getting to film with them and now pass some of the stuff I've learned along is like really, really a cool feeling too. Um, but yeah, Tom Keenan, Tommy Scarless, obviously Keith and Gary, um, Corey Sprangle would have to be number one for me. You know, he's like in my era and I honestly don't feel like anybody has had the success he has. You know, if you count how many boats that guy has won in the last <laughs> yeah. seven years, I mean, there's there's nobody that's done that. Um, but like Mike Gofron, um, Dean Arnoldson, um, John Gilman, Chris Gilman, um, you know, all those guys that have won those huge tournaments, like those RCLs, those three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand dollar tournaments back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to have the presence of mind to win you know, those three-day tournaments and then, like, those FLW, those four-day tournaments. Um, you know, Jason Shakirat is one of my good friends, and I just call him legend. Like, he, he's done it on the biggest stage multiple, multiple times. So all those guys that have been able to find the fish in practice, I know what that takes now, and then to be able to make those decisions in the tournament, like, those are truly my idols. Now, I mean, you've, you've been doing this for a while. In 2015, you were the angler angler of the year on the co side. Um, you started fishing on the pro side in 2016. In 2017, you had two second place uh, deals. I mean, you're you're writing quite the credentials there for yourself too, don't you know? Yeah, I mean that's kind of sneaking up on me now, and um, you know people are starting to tell me that and. Uh, I talked about that in the podcast I was doing tonight. Um, I had this like post game interview, and the word "fan" came out of the mouth, for, my mouth, for my first time. And I caught myself I was like, "Man, I've never even thought of them as fans." But 
you know, I was talking about, you know, social media people and people that message me and say congrats. And um, it's really kind of funny how it like is, it sneaks up on you, you know, your success and then that appreciation and the thanks and the congratulations from people that truly are a fan of, you know, what you've done and how you portray yourself and the, how you help them catch more fish. So um, yeah, it's starting to be, become a realization that, you know, maybe I do have some fans out there. I, I, uh, I would say you do. Uh, probably a few. <laughs> how, did, how did you get started in tournament fishing? Um, very first tournament I fished was a muskie tournament in like 2007. And um, that was my start. I fished all muskie tournaments for, um, other than like the Leech Lake Walleye Tournament, and a couple smaller ones on the Chippewa Flowage, like on opener, just little 30-boat tournaments. Um, the first, you know, national-level tournament I fished was as a co-angler. So, I mean, I could count on two hands how many walleye tournaments I fished before that co-angler season in, uh, it would be 14. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is that yeah. your first year was 2014, and then you won the Angler, angler of the year. year in 15? Yep, I did it for two years, so right. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, the muskie fishing, that's, it's kind of weird to have a muskie guy get into the walleye area, because it always seems like the walleye guys never really are big fans of the muskie fishing, so. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I fished, when I said 300 days on the water, like, I've literally, still to this day, I think perch fishing through the ice might be my favorite fishing. <laughs> Um, so I've always just loved every season and I've, you know, once I started musky fishing, then it basically shut off all summertime walleye fishing for me. And, um, so, but I've always been like, I'll risk my life on late ice to catch a bluegill, but the second the ice melts, I only want to catch crappies. And then when walleye starts, I don't care about anything until musky starts. And then it's all muskies, you know, all the way till ice up. And then. I'll go risk my life on early ice for walleyes. And then, you know, so um, really just a fan of all types of fishing. And um, when it comes down to like actual tournament fishing, you know, now I realize it doesn't matter what species it is. It's just the excitement, um, you know, leading up to fishing a tournament. And then when it, when it starts going down in the tournament, you know. Now, if you had to pick one fish, if you could only catch one fish for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, I'd probably have to say walleye. Really? Yeah, only because you can actually catch walleyes every day. Muskies <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. are like a love hate, right? Yeah. <laughs> when 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 they're when you're catching them, they're it's the best. And then when you're making cast after cast after cast, it gets can get to be a grind. Yeah, and now I mean I I hate to tell you muskies like if. Now they have this like tournament bar set for walleye fishing excitement, you know, high dollar walleye tournament excitement. Um, I mean, the next step down would be like a, a muskie in a tournament. And then after that, it's like, man, if those muskies aren't cooperating and doing stuff, like, I'm not going to lie. I have thoughts of, I could be learning some walleye stuff right now too. So that's kind of new for me this year. Um, where before it's like I know how to not walleye fish on Lake Vermilion. It's don't put your walleye rods in the boat, <laughs> and that's how you catch the most muskies possible. You know, right? 
And you've had some success with musky tournaments this summer. You had a second place finish or a first place. What was it? Yeah, we won the uh, won it, yeah. the PMTT. Are you gonna? Are you fishing any more this year? I know they got their big one coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, that one you had to qualify for. Oh, okay. The mega tournament actually fell. Um, I was supposed to fish that if I if we didn't have that blow day. I was going to fish it right after the championship, but with that blow day and then me making the final day, uh, it didn't work out. But um, So they got one more tournament instead of PMTT championship, but you had to qualify for that through fishing all the other qualifiers. Okay. So tell us what what is it like to walk in with a with a big old check like that into the bank? <laughs> do they look at you funny? Do, I mean, I don't know how big the the place is. That I mean, do, does your bank teller know you? You know, were they expecting you? I mean, what what is that like? Because I mean, that's got to be something crazy. Well, I haven't had to do that. So um, the the amount you see on the check is actually the value of the boat plus the cash. Okay. So, um, yeah, the value of this Ranger 621 FS Pro, it has a 300-horse Mercury on it, would be uh, $80,000. So what they give you is a certificate for that. And, um, you know, basically you can sell it. You know, you can have it built, and there you go. You have an $80,000 boat built. Um, or you can sell the certificate for, you know, usually a little bit of a discount. And then you get fifteen grand cash. Is that what it is? Uh, I was like seventeen thousand three hundred twenty. Yep. Well, that doesn't suck neither. <laughs> yeah, far, sure <laughs> far cry from ninety-seven thousand, but yeah, that, that's still good too. Well, I um, yeah. After the sale of my last certificate, I I think I made eighty-two thousand instead of eighty-eight thousand. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, the walleye tour came out, uh, I think it was today or yesterday, with next year's schedule. Uh, you're going to be on the Missouri River there in Chamberlain, uh, up on Lake Erie, uh, Green Bay, and Sakakawea. Uh, which one of them are you really looking forward to? Which one of them, you know, are you thinking, eh, I don't really care for that? You know, what are you thinking about next year? Um. I'm looking forward to the challenge of Chamberlain. You know, I've looked back at, I think I've fished three tournaments now on a, you know, Missouri River impoundment. And I don't think I've cashed a check in any of them. So that one, right off the bat, and I, for whatever reason, I haven't done well in the first tournament, like my whole career on the pro side. But so that one I'm really looking forward to. I just want to, like, I want to do well in that first tournament. I want to be involved in the angler of the year a little more. Right. Um, so that one, I would say that I'm the most excited for, um, you know, green Bay is probably my favorite one on the schedule. Um, Lake Erie. I love, but it's hard to separate yourself as much in that one. So like as far as thought processes go, I'm going to be thinking the most about like Chamberlain and Sakakawea. And then when it comes to Green Bay and Erie, it's going to be kind of like, okay, can we find the magical pot of fish? Um, or maybe in Green Bay, if I can get my prototype lure made by then, 
that would be really exciting too. Mm, prototype lure. You got uh, Dan down there at Berkeley working on that thing, or what? Um, that's the plan. We haven't gotten that far. <laughs> I will say that, um, yeah, I have some ideas, and I'm hoping to come up with a completely different lure category. Sweet. Can't wait to kind of playing around with. Very cool. Um, So, like, you know, your goals for next year, obviously, angler of the year race, everything like that, finish up high in the money every tournament that you're fishing. Like, what are some other, like, long-term goals for you? Like, you mentioned with Gary and Keith, like, with the TV show, is there ever any, like, dreams for you to maybe have your own TV show someday? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, one of my goals, I guess, all encompassing goals is just kind of continue, continue to be like a a pros pro. And I've been very fortunate to be able to talk to, you know, Corey, Keith and Gary and Chase. And those guys are so involved in the industry. It's, it's really kind of cool. Like their passion for the fishing industry, the walleye tournament industry. And, you know, being a part of that and setting an example and really kind of leading the way and just, you know, really trying to make tournament walleye fishing as big as it once was or as big as possible. Like I want to be involved in that. So that's definitely one of my goals. Um, yeah, obviously the tournament goals are pretty simple, like, you know, top 10, every one of them. Um, but yeah, as far as the TV part of it, I definitely, um, see myself going that direction um, to really be, you know, to add to kind of that self-sustainable full-time fisherman, um, full-time fisherman, not including a single dollar of tournament winnings. Like that's the way you have to set up your business. So mm-hmm. um, I want to get to that level. And, you know, if that involves having a TV show to have that additional sponsor money or, you know, doing more of the, uh, more and more of the promotional side of things where I can, you know, work better deals with companies in exchange for my time. Um, that's really kind of my goal is to be like fully self-sustainably, you know, self-sustainable, comfortable living without making a single dollar um, from tournament winnings. Now you do some guiding. Is that your full-time job right now? No, not at all. I actually have been a union carpenter like for the last 18 years, um, really until this year. And, um, you know, before these two tournament wins and the success, you know, there was a possibility I maybe would have went back and did it um, next winter. But I really wanted to make this my year, you know, after that win, it's like, okay, like God is telling you go this direction. Like this is the sign. Like, yes, do it. So um, being able to supplement, you know, my free time with guide trips is a nice way to you know, add to that. Maybe now it's the money that, you know, pays my heat and my mortgage and everything versus before it used to pay all my travel and everything. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's a, one of the ways I make money definitely is some guiding, but not a ton of guiding. Um, has your phone been ringing for more guide trips, uh, <laughs> since you started winning all these tournaments? Uh, you know, I've gotten a lot of messages. Hey, you know, I kind of always get those messages, but in reality, like the rest of my open water season is basically booked with, you know, if it isn't one more tournament, it's a, you know, three day guide, four or five day guide, uh, stint for muskies on Mille Lacs in November, then it's a duck hunting trip. So 
uh, I really, I, I don't, I'm not going to be booking any other guide trips this year. I'm just going to enjoy it, you know, with friends. Very cool. Very cool. You deserve to take some time off. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we let you go, uh, do you want to give a shout out to uh, some of your sponsors and then let us know, uh, you know, where our listeners can find you, you know, whether it be Facebook or a website or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the best way to follow me, um, only because that's where I'm most active is on Instagram. So, um, my Instagram is John Hoyer fish. That's really where I do 90% of my posting. I really have this active story and, um, I get the most feedback and, um, the most amount of people like interacting with me because I do this story. And if it's not pre-tournament, I'm showing like depth, lake, color, the lures I'm catching on, how we're working on, you know, um, really trying to help people catch fish by doing that. So uh, again, John Hoyer fish on Instagram. And then on Facebook, it's Hoyer fishing, you know, both of those formats. I like to do like kind of a blog format where I really try to teach somebody something, not just a photo, but really kind of give them some advice, something to think about, something that made me successful. So I, I pride myself on that for my social media. Um, and then as far as like sponsors, um, I have like the best ones in the industry. So um, Sims Fishing is my, my biggest primary sponsor. They obviously make some amazing fishing clothing. Um, I'm sure you guys have all heard of those guys before. Hold on. Um, I saw that you were running some of them Sims shoes. Are they yeah. awesome? Yeah, the Challenger, the Challenger boat shoe is uh, by far my favorite shoe. I wear them at sport shows. Um, you know, I've had bouts of like having a sore back before, and standing on concrete really kind of makes it sore. But um, the they have a right angle footbed technology, so it's like a almost like a uh, orthotic type um, insert in those shoes. So the first time you put them on, you literally feel like you're almost going to fall forward. It's a completely different posture. And uh, that's something that they have in all their shoes and uh, even, like, their waterproof boots. Um, so that's why I wear those, like, all the time. They wouldn't care if I had to wear a different shoe, but you see Corey, myself, anyone else, you know, who wears a lot of Sim stuff, like, we're all wearing that Challenger boat shoe. Um, so definitely one of my favorites. But um, And then besides that, Thorn Brothers, so... You know, all these people have like this little small part and some bigger parts that have made my year successful. But Thorn Brothers, I've been with them my whole musky career. And now into the walleye side of things, they make me, you know, as many rods as I want each year. And then I end up selling them at the end of the year. So I've gotten to design rods with them. You know, my favorite rod is a medium fast uh, seven foot. It's a St. Croix Legend blank that's unpainted. So a little bit extra sensitivity from that. And then I have a win four grip on it and a Syncork rear grip. So I've held every other rod, every production rod, every custom rod. And if you take your very best, most sensitive, most expensive jigging rod and hold it against this rod, like I don't know a single person who's, who puts those two rods in their hand with the same jig on it and doesn't pick the Thorn Brothers one. So, um, you know, having that unbelievable sensitivity is something that, makes those bites that I might not notice, you know, feel like a nice solid tick, you know, even with a big bow in your line. So um, they're my second biggest sponsor, and uh, they've done a lot for me my entire fishing career. So that's Thorn Brothers Customs. Uh, Berkeley and Abigail Garcia, 
obviously the lures they make have been a huge value to me, you know, especially Sault Ste. Marie with the champ swimmer, uh, the snap jig this year, also the three quarter ounce size, um, obviously Berkeley line is all I run. seems like that's all anybody runs. And, um, yeah, the Revo MGX 30 is my go-to spinning reel. It's been revamped for this year. Again, super light. And it's something I never thought about earlier on in my career, but that lightness of those, that high-end reel adds to the sensitivity of your setup. So, you know, if you're vertical jigging 10 feet of water, you're going to notice a difference? Probably not. When you start making these long casts on the Great Lakes with, you know, rattle baits and shiver minnows, um, that's all the difference in the world to give that fish, you know, that big hard hook set, which is, I mean, you're, it goes from 50% landing to, like, I land almost all of them. Um, and that's all about bite detection. So um, other than that, a couple of my other sponsors, Wave Pro Seat Pedestals, you know, they made a seat pedestal. Instead of reinventing the wheel, they took a Fox Shock, um, where the technology's already been refined and mastered in, like, extreme sports, like snowmobiling and motocross. So that's the exact same technology in a seat pedestal. I feel like it's the best one on the market, hands down. Um, Aqua Traction, it's a new custom floor I got in my – uh, boat this year it literally when i before i put that thing in the water i said i have the coolest finest ranger 620 fs ever assembled um you know because of that aqua traction and the wave pros and uh you know everything else i have on it so uh Lawrence is one of my big sponsors literally if i was to say one biggest asset to my fishing career and my success this year would be um the ability to use my Lowrance side scan and to break apart water and to be able to see fish and just learning that and spending hours looking at that has been my number one asset in tournament success, hands down by far. Um, other than that, Evan Rood, obviously they make an unbelievable motor. Uh, they stand behind it because they give you a 10 year warranty at every boat show. That's been their boat show special the last couple of years. So I haven't had a single issue with a motor the last two years. And, um, you know, basically have the fastest 620 on the tour, thanks to the 250-horse G2. That was kind of sales pitchy, but fun for me to be able to do once in a while. So thank you for letting me do that. Oh, no, no problem absolutely. at all. Absolutely. They help you, and you're helping us. I was going to say, they help you along. I saw on your Instagram story a while back that you were down here in our area at the at Berkeley, at Pure Fishing over there in Spirit Lake, Iowa. That's only about 50 miles from us, and that's where we do a lot of our fishing, and I was surprised that they let you have your phone inside of the plant. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was kind of like, is this okay? Yes. Is this okay? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't, can't put that one out there yet. Well, when you win as many tournaments as you do, you get a little extra pull. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, well, we definitely uh, appreciate you stopping by. That was a great interview. Uh, you seem like a spectacular guy, and we wish you uh, nothing but the best in 2020, and Hey, maybe we'll even run India there in Chamberlain. You know, we're not that. That's definitely about as close as it's going to get to us. And uh, I have to come out and watch. Yep, that'd be great, guys. And uh, I would love to meet you and uh, talk walleyes again. Yeah, Absolutely. Sure. Hey, thank you very much. Thanks. All right. Have a good night. See ya. Oh, and there he goes, Mr. John Hoyer. That was a fun interview. Very fun interview. That that I don't think he realizes how good he actually is. Yeah, very humble guy. It's always cool when those professionals like that are 
you know, very humble about their skills and uh, just just his excitement and passion. Just hearing him, he's he's probably told those stories, you know, talked about this stuff many times over the past week, couple weeks since you know his tournament win, especially last weekend. But to just still hear him talk, be excited about it as he is, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. I was interested to hear, you know, that he said that Green Bay one meant more for him. I, you know, I suppose when a person finally cracks a win, right. that one is always a little bit more special. But I, I don't know. I mean, winning the national championship is, is is a great thing, is cool. But there just still something about that first one that you'll never really forget. I mean, you just the excitement of it, it, you know, just everything. Like I said, you know, all these years building up to it and finally accomplishing that feat. You, you can be close so many times, but to finally get that one is just pretty cool. Well, I'm sure of it. You know, and, and you kind of talked about that uh, earlier this year uh, when you finally cracked your first win in our Bass Club. You know, you, you finally – you finally showed yourself, you know what, I, I, I can fish with these guys. You know, I'm good enough to be here. You know, obviously that's always the goal every single time you hit the water. You know, right. hey, Proving I'm... it to yourself. Exactly. To like, you know, trying to say, oh, I beat this guy or beat that guy. It's, it's, it's more about that inner competition for you. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, speaking of bass fishing, we actually got on the water this last weekend. Yeah, finally. a lot of fun to finally get back on there. It's been a while since been on the water. And uh, it felt good to be out there, even though it was foggier than I'll get out and you couldn't see anything. Absolutely crazy. When we, uh, you know, it was a foggy drive all the way over there. But when we got by the lake, it was definitely foggier. Right. And and when we finally were motoring out of the bay, I mean, 20 yards max was visibility. And uh, we it was, it was eerie sitting out there fishing. I've never fished in that heavy a fog. But to be sitting there fishing and you can hear a motor coming and you're just like, there's a few times where we've. I think we both would kind of stop fishing and just kind of sit there and watch and listen a little bit, a little more intently and like, okay, where's this person coming from? Hopefully they're paying attention. Hopefully they're like, you know, following some safety stuff here and going nice and slow. And, you know, most times that happened, all of a sudden you'd start to see their shadow coming and all of a sudden they'd slow down and they'd turn and go the other way. But I think that was most, what worried me the most is, you know, having Grady in the boat. Right. With us. And, you know, he had his life jacket on and everything like that, but still it's not, I mean, just, it's just weird hearing a boat coming and you don't know where it's coming from. One thing that I thought was kind of cool is the one time we were kind of working down a shoreline and all of a sudden, boom, there's a boat in front of us that was spot locked on a, on a spot. And I mean, we got, you know, close enough to the point where if it was a clear day, they would have been like, hey, what, what's, yeah, what's going on here, guy guys? But, I mean, we didn't see them, and, and they obviously didn't see us. And then once we did see them, you know, you turned around, and we headed back the same stretch that we had done. But uh, we, we got on some fish. Yeah, yeah. You know, and more a little bit more about the fog. It is still crazy to me about the amount of people that still just put the hammer down and go in that stuff. And, yeah. But, yeah, we did catch fish, so it was it was a fun day. Grady caught a couple nice large mouths yeah it was fun watching that he he was not trusting us uh running that drop shot you know he he knows how to vertical jig for bluegills and and whatever and uh i think if we would have thrown a jig on there and just let him pitch it out and reel it back you know that that's the stuff that he knows how to do but i i really wanted him to catch something on that drop shot because 
you know, obviously, maybe I'm a little bit selfish, but I want him to be, you know, the best angler he can be. And you want him to learn. And that was a big thing I saw. You, you know, you were talking to him about, you know, how to, to kind of hold your rod, the retrieve for it and everything like that, and why we were doing it, not just like throw it out there and do this. Well, this is why we're doing it. And this is kind of where you're throwing to. Well, and I truthfully, uh, I appreciate you, you know, to, you know, you went over there because you wanted to fish. Well, you bring along me and Grady and having an 11 year old in the boat that isn't super experienced, you know, you've got to, you've got to pull back the reins a little bit on, on your own fishing too. And, and I don't know, it didn't uh, seem I, like it bothered you. Maybe, maybe secretly. That doesn't bother me at all. I, I, I really love and enjoy that to see the excitement that he gets over it. You know, like you said, you could tell he was kind of getting a little like, you know, down a little bit. And it's like, man, we got to get one, get him to catch one. And, he finally did catch one, and then I think the best part is when he finally caught that big one, and right before it, he reeled his line in, and you're like, hey, let's put a new bait on there for you. <laughs> and so he's like, new bait, new fish. New worm. Or new worm, new fish. New worm, new fish. He casts out there, and all of a sudden, oh, I got one. It's like, yep. oh. So I think about every time after that, it was like, oh, I better put a new worm on. Yeah, no, that was that was a lot of fun. We we caught them, and it, it was good to get out pre-fishing because we actually have a tournament uh, coming up this, this weekend. Sunday, so looking forward to that, and you know, getting out there and doing some competing again. You bet. So yeah, well, with that, we'll we'll be done with episode forty. We appreciate you all tuning in. I hope you guys liked uh, John Hoyer, and we'll see you again next week.